And as we continue our study through this wonderful book, I, I love this verse here of uh, who we are, why are we here, and how do we respond to those two questions. Um, I remember my first board meeting at RSBCE. I don't know if Tim remembers this one. And um, Tim was at that time still in the transition period of becoming the director. He actually wasn't the director at the time, but um, he was becoming the director. And I'll never forget, he, he, he suggested that they do something. And the guy that was there running the meeting looked at Tim and said, so, so who are you? <laughs> and I, just I thought that was a great question. I was like, so, so Tim, so who are you? You're like, wait, what? You're like, you, you, just, you just asked us to do something. Who are you? If somebody was to ask you, who are you? How, how would you respond to that question? Um, you know, interesting that, uh, let me just tell you why there's a confusion in our lives about who we are before we get into who we really are in the scriptures. The first confusion is about our feelings. Um, the feelings are all over the map. Some people feel great. They feel this. They feel love. They feel like they're a child of God. They feel like they're doing well. They feel this. And their identity is based on what? Their feelings. And let me just tell you something. Something may feel good and still be wrong. You ever think of that? I, I couldn't believe, I was shocked when they were interviewing a, a, a guy that had been married for 24 years that met a younger woman uh, 15 years younger than him and started to tell her that he loved her. And they, he said, they said the, the interviewer asked him, so how did you know you love somebody that's not your wife? And his answer was, it just felt right. A lot of things can feel good, but they're wrong. In fact, look what the Bible says about our hearts. He who trusts in his own heart is what? A fool. If we get our identity from our feelings, we're in trouble because we're going to be all over the map. And we trust in our own hearts, we're fools. But he who walks wisely will be delivered. So feelings can't really... And some people say, I just don't feel that God loves me. What do I do when I don't feel that God loves me? You turn to the Bible and you read Romans 5, 8 and you see that God proved His love for you. That He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His what? Only begotten Son. Oh yes, He loves you even though you may not feel it. I'll tell you another thing that hurts our identity is not only feelings, but failures. How many of you failed this week? Only a few of you. I have. We fail all the time. In fact, it's amazing. If I look at, I look at my life and I realize how often I fail. I fail as a husband I fail as a father, I fail as a pastor, I fail as a baseball coach, can I keep going on? I fail as a baseball coach, I can go on all day and tell you how I fail. I was reading about one of the greatest hitters ever in baseball. Before he got his 3,000th hit, you know how many outs he got? 5,113. Let's put that in perspective. That's going to the plate four times a day, every day for eight years without getting a hit. And yet he is one of the greatest hitters ever in our game. Was he a failure? You better believe it. 
Here's our problem nowadays. We're, we're raising our kids and we're raising them to succeed and we want them to succeed and we're trying to block out failure in their lives. In fact, if you even go to the rec center now and you put them in sports, they don't take score. Why? Because you don't want your kid to feel like a failure. But guess what? Every kid is going to fail. Everyone. Sooner or later, they're going to fail. And so what we need to do is to prepare, prepare them for failures. And we can't let our for failures define us because we fail all the time. What else? Here's another thing that confuses our identity. And here's a great verse about our failures. Romans 5.20, where it says, The law came in so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So when we do fail, God's grace is there. It abounds all the more. But look at this next one, that people, they, they, they confuse their identity with other people's opinions. And let me just say something to you about that. They're fickle. I've had people praise me and rip me. Same people. In fact, I get worried when they praise me too much because I'm waiting for the rip. The rip is coming. I had one sermon one time I preached and I sat there out there and I'm shaking people's hands. One guy came up to me and said, that was the best sermon you ever preached. Another guy said, when are you going to finish this book for crying out loud? 2020 with the mask. That was beautiful, wasn't it? Are you going to enforce them? Are you going to have them on? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with this? 2021 is the vaccine. Amen? And other people's opinions are all over the place and all over the map. And you can do one thing and one person loves it and another person hates it. I, I chuckle at one pastor one time in his church. They had a vote of confidence and it was his first church. and He's all excited. He gets this and he voted confidence and there was only 36 people in the church. 34 said, we love you. One said, no. One said, I'm not going to vote. He was devastated. How can one say No. And how can one not vote? They should all love me. And his father said to him, basically in these words, grow up. That's the best vote you're ever going to get. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Politicians are happy with 50% of the votes when pastors cry when one hates them. But here's, look at this. Look at other people's opinions. Watch this. In John 12, 42 to 43, it says this. Nevertheless, many... Even of the rulers believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him. Why? For fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. And here it is. For they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. They loved to hear what men said about him rather than what God said about him. And sometimes our identity is so caught up in other people's, and, and social media has hurt this. We're so caught up in their, their likes or their comments or what they say about us rather than what God says about us. And we tend to love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. So we're confused. Who am I? Well, my feelings say I, I, I fail all the time and my failures prove that I, my feelings are true and other people call me a failure too. So I must be a failure and all these things rather than going to the Bible. 
This is a wonderful passage of Scripture we're going to study. I'm so excited because Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it talks about who we are, why we are here, and what we should do in response of who we are and why we are here. Look at this in Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says this, Who am I? Discover your identity. We are His what? Workmanship. Workmanship. Now don't miss this because this is a beautiful word. Only used twice in the New Testament, by the way. It's, it means something made or a, or a work of a craftsman or it's the product that's done, not, 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 not in the midst of the product. So he's not like they're, they're working on this. It's already done. When we went to the promised land for our honeymoon, Italy. Amen. <laughs> we got to see a lot of beautiful works. We got to see the Colosseum. Amen. Amen. We got to see St. Peter's Basilica. We got a picture with the Pope. You know how we did that? He was up there talking. We got a selfie. And we got him right there in the corner there. So we got a picture with the Pope. We went to the Trevi Fountain. I can care less about the Trevi Fountain. We went there. Some guy tried to give Katie flowers at the Trevi Fountain. I almost killed him on our honeymoon. <laughs> we went up the Spanish Steps. When we went to Florence, and I'm trying to remember, remember all these things that we saw because Katie loves these things. I could care less. I was just happy to be with her. Michelangelo's great works, we saw that. And then we went to the place on the face of the earth, Naples, Italy. You say, what's important about Naples, Italy? The best creation of the world came from Naples, Italy. By Raffaele Esposito. Anybody know that name? Raffaele Esposito. He got, he created what? It starts with a P. Pizza! Pizza. <laughs> the greatest creation on the face of the earth. And here we are in Naples, Italy, in this dump of a place. And this is where my family, some of my family comes from. And we're in this dump of a place and we're going down this thing. We had our first fight in Naples, by the way. And we're in there, we're sitting there in Naples. like, why did you bring me here? Why you? I said, just don't worry about it. And so we're going there. We come to this place and there's a pizzeria there. And this hole in the wall and we get a pizza. Oh, paradise. Paradise. I believe this is the manna that came down in the Old Testament. I can't prove it. But God fed him with something beautiful. I mean, this was it. It had no cheese on it. I just saw, oh, oh, pizza. Pizza. The greatest creation ever. We were there. You got to go there. Look at this word. It's only mentioned twice in the New Testament. I want to show you how what it says here. It's mentioned in Romans 1.20. And it speaks of God's physical creation. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been what? Made, physically created. Somebody says, what about the person that lives in the jungle and never hears of Jesus? They have no excuse. You know why? Because they can see, they can clearly see there is a God. There is a God. Through what has been made so that they have no excuse. So we have been physically created by God. We are not an accident. We are not an unexpected pregnancy. We're not all those things that people may say. We are created. God put us here on this earth. We're physical creation of God. We are made. We are his workmanship. That's wonderful. All of us are that. Now, believers are God's spiritual creation. Watch this. We are his workmanship created in who? 
Christ Jesus. So the moment that we get saved and we're synced with Christ, and you remember that from last week, when we're synced with Christ, we become this new person with new priorities and a new position. We are made alive. We are raised up. We are seated with Christ. And now we are his workmanship, his spiritual workmanship. You say, what does that mean to me? Who am I? Well, we studied Ephesians chapter 1. You should, you should understand. I am what? I am blessed. 1.3 says blessed with what? Every spiritual blessing. I don't lack any of them. You don't either. The moment we're created in Christ Jesus, we are spiritually blessed. You know what else we are? We are chosen. Why in the world would God ever want us? But he does. And before the foundation of the world, what else are we? Who am I? I am adopted. I am a child of God. I can call him father now. I am also what? I am redeemed. I am set free from the very power of sin, the very power of sin. And not only that, I'm forgiven. I'm set free from the very penalty of sin. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, we know that I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. I have a little taste of what is to come in heaven. Who am I? Well, my feelings say you're a sinner. My feelings say you're a failure. My failures say, you know what? Your feelings are right. Other people call me different things. But my God calls me all this. We find our identity in what the Bible says about us. And what a wonderful thought as we go through the day and we can say and wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm blessed. I have every spiritual blessing. God chose me. I am saved by his grace. I'm adopted. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm sealed. I'm sealed. And no matter what our feelings say or what other people say or our failures say, this is always true of us. It will never change by God's grace. You say, all right, I understand who I am now that I'm new. I'm synced with Christ. What does that mean for me today? Well, look at this. Who I am now that you know who you are, that you're new. Now it's time to do. Look at this. Why am I here? Understand your purpose. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works. Now, I want to show you this because this is a very, very interesting passage and an interesting thing that it's saying here. In verse 9, we studied last week that salvation is not a result of what? Good works. It will never depend upon anything that I could ever do, and you name it, Bible reading, church attendance, going, dipping in the water, whatever you want to say, none of that stuff will ever save me. It's not of works. Amen. Not of works. Which is a great thing, because it's not of good works or bad works. It's not of works. Works has nothing to do with it. It's all by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But when you get saved, get ready to work. Somebody says, all right, salvation is not of works. It's a free gift. Praise God. I, I get saved. Well, now it's time to work. Salvation will result in works. And what I love about this passage, it says good works. These are moral works. These are not just works that we want to do that violate God's word. These go with God's word, our works. And they're beneficial works. They will benefit you. They will benefit those around you. They will benefit God's work. We're going to look at the good works here in a moment. But look at this verse here. 
It says here in Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Look at these next words. Zealous for what? Good deeds. So not only do we get saved, but now we get excited about doing what God wants us to do. I hope that you're excited here today. And this is what God wants. You get excited about what God wants you to do. You say, if I only knew what God wanted me to do, then I would do it. Well, thank you for asking. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Because some people make this mystical. Oh, I got good works to do and I'm just waiting for God to tell me the good works to do and I'll do it. He's already told us in his word. In fact, you study the book of Ephesians. You don't have to go any further. You know it right there. He's going to name every part of our lives. Watch this. This is beautiful. What good works? Here we go. In the church. Ephesians 4.16. It talks about there where each part does, each person does its part in the church. I'm reading a book right now called Thriving Church. And in the book he says this. Every church should grow. Now listen to this. Not numerically, he's saying, but every church should grow spiritually. If the church is not growing spiritually, something is wrong. But how does the church grow spiritually? Not just because the pastor is preaching the word. The church grows spiritually, according to Ephesians 4.16, when every person, every part, does their part in the church, in love. So why am I here? God has made me new. Why am I here? We are here to function in the church and to do our part for God's glory. That's why we're here. And as each one does it, and we're going to see, praise God, that different people do different things. As each one does it, the church will grow spiritually. And that's what God wants. So we have a function in the church. What good works? We have a function in the home. People love these things. Ephesians 5.22, the woman has to what? Submit. Any amens? <laughs> Not one amen. Wow. Got the devil on the run, right, brother? One guy was preaching in one church. He's preaching about submission. Another guy yelled out, you got the devil on the run, brother. You got the devil on the run. What does that word submit mean? Well, you got to wait till Ephesians chapter 5. I'm not going to get there because I don't want to get anyone. Uh, how about Ephesians 5.25? It says that the husband should what? Love their wives. Yeah. And now we're getting yeah. amens. Huh? Wow, we. That one amen on submission, all amens on this one. Unbelievable. Ephesians chapter 6. You want to know what your part is in the home, children? You are to obey and what? Honor your parents. Not only obey them, but honor them. Wow, we're missing that in this world. And then in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, parents have to lovingly guide and nurture their children and not provoke them to wrath. Wow. What are my good works? The good works are right there in the home. You say, okay, he's got me in the church. He's got me in the home. What about in the workplace? Well, you better not read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 to 8. He'll tell you how in the workplace that we ought to be what? Serving and not just serving a boss with eye service, but we're serving God with all our hearts. And we are to be the best workers ever in the workplace as Christians. Why? Because we are serving God, not man. Wow. He gets us at the workplace. And if that isn't hard enough, he gets us in a spiritual realm. As we have spiritual warfare against the principalities and the powers and all those of the air. And how we fight against him. And one of the things that we do is we share the gospel of peace with other people. You say, what good works? They're right there in the Bible. 
God wants us to function in His plan. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus so that we would function and do the good works that God has, that we're going to see in a moment, prepared for us. Where? In the church, at work, in the workplace, in the home, and in the spiritual realm. It's not these mystical things that we got to figure out. God has placed them right there before us. But here's what our problem is. We don't do what God wants us to do. We don't respond the way God wants us to respond. So here's what's beautiful about this verse. He says this. He says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We should be excited about these things. Watch this. How do I respond to this? Which God prepared when? I know, I don't miss this. Because our salvation was prepared beforehand. And what does that mean? That means in our terms, God put the right person at the right time with the right message in our lives so that we would respond to Christ. God's timing is amazing. You know what God does with good works? He puts, puts you in the right place at the right time to serve and blossom right where you are. One military guy once asked me, what do I do? I'm only here a couple of years and I'm gone. I said, wherever you are, be all there. There's no guarantee five years from now we're going to be in so-and-so. We are to bloom right where God plants us. But yet you have people running from their homes because they hate the good works that God has put before them in their homes and they hate that. So they run from their homes or they run from their workplaces or they, they run from the spiritual battle, you name it. Run from churches, whatever it may be. They run from God's plan. He prepared it. Bloom right where you are. Right where God puts you. Write those good works that God has put you. Jim Elliott said it. Wherever you are, be all there. Be all there and serve the Lord with all your heart right in the place where God has placed you. And guess where he placed you today? Whitefield Community Bible Church. Isn't that great? Amen. I want amen. But this is where God has you. In your home, with your family, in your workplace, he's prepared it right there. So we're the bloom. There may be a time that God will move us on. That's, that's different. But what he's saying is, he's saying he's prepared it. And here's what we ought to do. Here's what's beautiful. He's prepared it for us beforehand. We ought to walk in them. He doesn't say work them out. He doesn't say work on them. He just says God prepared it so that you would walk in them. What is this implying? That God will give us the power, the grace, the ability to do the good works that God has placed before us. It means this. You offer yourself up before the Lord and say, God, here I am. I will serve you in any way you have me to serve you. It means this. You see a need, you meet the need. It means this, you recognize an opportunity, you seize the opportunity. It means this, you have the ability to serve and sacrifice for others, you serve and sacrifice for others. It means if God, as he gives you this bent to do certain things and you like to do those things and God is working and preparing beforehand, you walk in it. 
I praise God. I love to coach. I love to pastor. I love to coach. I get to do two things that I love to do. God's prepared it beforehand and I get to walk in it. It's an exciting thing. There are dip- not everyone loves to coach. Not everyone likes it. People like to write. I hate to write. Ellie loves to write. I praise God for her. She walks in writing. I was thinking of the different things that people like to do. Brian likes music. I can't sing it. If I want to do a special music here, you'd all would walk out on me. I'm horrible. But he can play the guitar. He can do all these things and get and got the voice and everything. Praise God. He likes to do Tim likes to do that too. Praise the Lord. He gets to do that. He plays his bluegrass, all this ungodly stuff. God uses him. Amen. Music people, you gotta really worry about, I'll tell you that much. You got people who love children? Now, one amen here. People love children. Miss Kim, Miss Debbie, and you go down the list. Um, Alyssa's back there working with the children. It's just amazing the people that, that love children. You have people who like to do things behind the scenes. I praise God for that. My father-in-law saw the piece of the carpet was coming up. He says, I'm going to bring glue next week. I'm going to get all this. I, I praise God that people like to do that. I don't like to do that stuff. I see the carpet up. Leave it up. Who cares? But he wants it. He wants it fixed. So praise God. It's people who have burdens for pregnancy centers in our church, and I praise the Lord for that. And Jerry, I was thinking of that. I can go down the list. People who love truck drivers. Look at Rick. He loves truck drivers. You know, praise the Lord. All different things. Here's what the Bible is saying. God has given you passion in your heart. He's prepared these beforehand. Walk in them. Do them. Don't miss the opportunity to do it. Bloom where he has planted you now. And if God moves you later, that's fine. But give him all you got now. Why? Because you're special to him. You're his workmanship. He created you in Christ Jesus. Not only made you physically, but made you spiritually. Gave you life. And, and your life is not just to sit here wondering what he wants you to do. Your life should be pointed towards good works. And he's prepared them beforehand. And our job is to just walk in them. Listen to this. Mary Kay. You ever hear of her? Mary Kay Ash. That's her name. I didn't know that, by the way. But Mary Kay Ash. She's not an Italian, but I'll mention her anyway. (laughs) During the last four or five years of her... um, her career, she decided to retire. She decided, you know what? I, I can't, I can't retire. I can't, I can't do this anymore. So she just retires. And that lasted about a month because she got stir crazy. And she said, you know what? I need to start another business. But you know why she did that? Because she was told that she was a woman and she would never amount to anything and her business would never amount to anything. <laughs> I wonder who that person was. She said this. Mary Kay, she would hear this. Mary Kay, you're thinking like a woman again. I felt rejection in the worst form, so I decided to retire. But after that, you know what? She said, I decided I'm going to do a cosmetic business. And I'm going to give every woman a chance to work in this business. And so she got the best formulas and the best products she can get, the beauty products, and put them together. And now, listen to this. Now, her company today is worth more than a billion dollars in annual sales, employs 3,500 people, and empowers how many, every woman you meet is selling Mary Kay. 500,000 women. There's women all over the place selling. You better watch out with Mary Kay. It's all over the joint. But here's a woman. 
that was told she'd never amount to nothing, that she was a failure. If she let other people's opinions, her own feelings, and her own failures to stop her, we would never have what we have now. But we do. So don't let your feelings tell you one thing. Don't let your failures tell you, and don't let other people tell you who you are. Let God do that. And walk in the works that he has put before you. And give him all you got, as long as you got. You say, where, Jeremy? I'm just looking for a place where you're here. Right where you are. Do it now, by God's grace. And we'll watch to see what he's going to do with our lives. Let's pray. Our Father, as each day of our lives we battle these feelings, these failures, these opinions that we hear, and sometimes it stops us from doing what you want us to do because we pay too much attention to these things. God, I pray today that we would see through your word who we really are. We're your workmanship. And Father, I thank you so much for that. And what that means in our practical lives is that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We've been chosen. We're adopted into your family. We've been redeemed, forgiven, and we've been sealed. We've been synced with Christ, made alive, raised up and seated with him in the heavenlies. We have new life and a new zeal now to do good works. So help us, Lord. We want to walk in them. You've prepared them right before our eyes. And you've made all our hearts different, so we see different things, Lord. So God, guide us and direct us and help us to remember why we're here, to function as you would want us to function in the church, in our homes, in our workplace, and in the spiritual realm as we fight each day against the principalities and powers of this world right now. So God, we lift up our hearts to you, Father, and I pray that this would encourage people what they heard today and that they would say today, here I am, Lord, use me in any way. I want to see the opportunities. I want to seize the opportunities too. So give me eyes to see and give me hands to seize what you have before us. In Jesus' precious name and for his glory, amen. This last song is the heart of worship.